Amen. Let's open up our Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 through 19. Um, we'll be reading there in a moment. So why do people have such a sense of loneliness today? Uh, Bill Hybels explains it this way. He says, it is a me-first mindset. This mindset says, indulge yourself, fulfill your desires, satiate your appetites, pursue pleasure, and take off all restraints. With this mindset comes an elusive promise. If you seek first your own good and satisfy your own desires, then you will be happy. You see it in print, on television, and in movies. Over and over, we hear this lie continually. The road to contentment, satisfaction, and fulfillment, and true joy is marked with a street sign flashing, Me first. People are pathologically self-centered and ignore the needs of others. The Me first mindset is controlling many lives today, even the lives of those who call themselves followers of Christ. Now, in our text tonight, this morning, apparently I'm about ready for bed. In our text this morning, we see Jacob find the results of a me-first mindset, which results in separation from his own life and also from God. But it is in this place of despair and separation that he finds what he truly needed all along, and it's the same thing that we all need as well. A life lived pursuing a relationship with God. Regardless of how we find ourselves living a life of, uh, regardless of how we find ourselves living a life of separation, depression, and anxiety, it is God who can help us out of this place and live a life of purpose and destiny with Him and for Him. So as we look at our text this morning, Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 through 19, the focal point of the sermon will be covering some verses around it. But verses 18 and 19 say, So early in the morning, Jacob took a stone that he had put under his head and set up uh, for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, and the name of the city, uh, and, and, but the name of the city was Luz at first. This morning I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, The God of the House of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, meeting with us this morning, God, for your presence here today. God, we're asking, Lord, that your hand would move, uh, that your spirit would move, God, that you would speak to us, God, not by my power, not by my words, God, but I hide humbly behind your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So first I want to talk about living in separation. At this point in Jacob's life, he is in desperation mode. Leading up to this text that we just read, Jacob had done some things that weren't exactly holy and righteous. He had stolen his brother's birthright, and he deceived his father in order to achieve that. He was deceiving to achieve. Esau, who was his brother after having his birthright stolen by Jacob, made a vow that he was going to kill Jacob as soon as his father died. Now Jacob, of course, as you know the story, catches wind that his brother desires to kill him once his father dies. And his father, um, Isaac, who is 
extended in years, is coming to the end of his life, and so Jacob runs for his life. Think about this. His own brother wants to kill him. His father is on his deathbed, both of whom he just lied and deceived, and now he's running for his life, doesn't get to see the end of his father's days, and he's ruined his relationship with his brother. Jacob lied and cheated to find success in his life, but it didn't work. And now in our text, we see he found himself alone. He's on the run for his life. And on his journey in our text, we see him come to this place called Luz. Verse 19 from our text says, He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Now this word Luz, the name of the city Luz, means to turn aside, to depart, to cause separation, perverse. Now think about it. That's an interesting word to add in. All of those make sense going together, right? To turn aside, to depart, to cause separation, and then perverse is thrown in there. And you think that doesn't make much sense. But when we consider the definition of perverse, it draws an illustration as to what this word loves really means. You see, in today's uh, modern usage of the word perverse, it's usually used to refer to some form of sexual immorality, uh, which it applies to. But the basic definition of perverse is simple, and it's this. Showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. So perversion, in its simplest of definitions is an intentional behavior that is clearly wrong or against something. So this implies that the word luz is meaning to cause separation and perverse, basically meaning causing separation by departing from doing right and intentionally doing wrong. Jacob was not only at a location called luz, but Jacob's life was Luz. His life was causing separation from his family, was causing separation from his own city, from his home, from his hopes and his dreams, from everything that he had ever known. His deception found himself at a place called Luz, not just physically, but his life as a whole. And now he's alone and in despair in the middle of nowhere. Jacob caused his own desperation, his own separation, by his own choices. And it didn't only cause a physical separation from where he once was, but a spiritual separation from God. You see, Luz may have been a physical location, but sometimes it feels like a place in life that follows us everywhere we go. Jacob found himself far from everything he had known, and worst of all, far from God. And the reality is, <coughs> we all at some point are living in this place in our life. Whether it was a time in the past, or right here, right now, today. But the worst place we can be is separated from God. Isaiah 59 verses 2 and 3. It says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, 
and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. This text says your iniquity has made a separation between you and God. Your sins have placed you in a place called lust. Our sins cause separation between us. If we live in love, a place of separation, we got there on a path paved with sin and trying to do things on our own power. And today we live in a generation that is crippled by this place called love. Crippled by this place of separation, living in this place. Anxiety, depression, fear. It's at an all-time high today. It's, you hear about it more than ever. Stress on top of stress, worry after worry. The land of Luz is a harsh place. And people all around us, as we live in this place of Luz, we have people all around us, but yet we feel so alone. We still feel so empty, separated from everything, and most crucially, separated from God. You see, but that's only part of the issue. Living in this land of us, we feel separated on earth, and that's one thing. But we must find our home before we find ourselves separated from God for eternity. You see, Luz is not where we are meant to live. Luz is not a place we are supposed to make our home. 2 Thessalonians Verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, the word of God speaks of an eternal separation. Which says, When the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer punishment and eternal destruction, listen to this, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. It's one thing to be living in a place of separation, in this place called Luz, in our life on earth. But it's another thing to make that place our home for eternity. Because we can never get out of it at that point. But Proverbs chapter 12 verse 25 tells us, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Some of, many of us know that that's true. But it goes on to say, but a good word makes him glad. Our life today in 2023 is not lacking in anxieties. But where is the good word that brings hope? Where is the hope? Where is the gladness? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Many people today are, are begging for that good word. Something to deliver them from this land of us. But when we begin to genuinely seek out the answer to this question, where is our hope? Is when we find ourselves leaving loves and finding God. And we see in our text that Jacob discovers the presence of God. Discovering Bethel. Genesis chapter 28, verse 11. Uh, as we back up a little bit from our text, 
which as uh, Jacob is on the run, he comes to this place and it says he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lied down in that place to sleep. Think about that. He's using a rock as a pillow. And there's a saying that goes, a clear conscience makes a soft pillow. So it's fitting that we see in our text that when Jacob comes to rest, he finds himself using a rock as a pillow because we look at the things he's done, the decisions he's made. He's on the run for his life. Jacob's conscience was anything but clear. So this rock resembles very clearly the place that he was at in his life. But then, starting at the very next verse, we see Jacob, in the depths of his despair, finds relief from God. Verses 12 through 19. As he's sleeping with his head on this rock, our text says, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then jo Jacob awoke from, this, from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. So we just got done talking about what that place was called, Luz. But now we see something remarkable take place. God reveals himself to Jacob when Jacob was at his lowest of lows, the depths of his depravity. It's important to note this is not when Jacob was trying to, quote, get his life together before coming to God, as people often say. No, in fact, we see the opposite. God met him at the depths of the valley of his desperation. Jacob, seemingly hopeless, finds himself hearing from God. And so often as we talk to people, we tell them, hey man, you got to get to church, you got you to trust in God, you got to put your life in Jesus. And they say, no, I got to get my life together before I can come to God. We think to ourselves, we have to get ourselves out of luz. We have to get ourselves out of this place of desperation before we can come to God. But we see that that's truly not what God expects of us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Think about it. That Christ would bring us to God. That he would venture to the heart of our desperation in the city of Luz and bring us out of there. They say all the time that Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, went on a rescue mission. We're prisoners of war and he came to save us. We think, no, I got to come at least some of the way to God before he... No, he came to the heart of our issues. He came to us at the most depraved state we'd ever been in. And he met us at our point of our need and he rescues us from our sins. We don't have to do anything to get out of it. We just simply have to trust him. He extends a ladder to us right down to the pits of love so that we can come to God. You see, the ladder in Jacob's dream represents Jesus Christ. We just read the text that there was a ladder extending from heaven, the angels going up and down, and God at the top speaks to, speaks to Jacob. And the ladder in this dream represents Jesus Christ. That he is our only way to heaven. That he is how we descend out of the, the depths of the valleys of Luz and up into God. There is no way out except through Jesus Christ. And today, on this night, Jacob learns this lesson. I can only imagine he must have been thinking to himself, I thought I had to do this on my own. I thought I would always live in separation. But no, God desires to move in my life, and all along He was near to me. He thought I've been living. He thought I was in separation. I was in love. I was so far from God, but all along God was right there. And the reality is that no matter how far we feel from God, He is always just one prayer away. He is always ready to be in our presence. And he says in, in our text, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. God isn't waiting for us to get our lives together so that we can come to him. God isn't waiting for us to get everything, all of our ducks in a row, everything figured out before he can move in our lives. He's simply waiting for just one thing and it is for us to turn to him. To turn our life to his way and trust him. And then Jacob says, or the, the text says, he called the name of that place Bethel. The word Bethel, or as we say it in America, Bethel, literally just means the house of God. Jacob went from Luz to Bethel. From separated from God to being in the very house of God without even moving physically. Think about that. This is all taking place in one spot. One night's rest. He went from separation to being in the presence of God without even moving physically, but spiritually, he was completely relocated. And our text continues, verses 20 through 22, which says, Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me, and watch over me during this journey I'm making. If he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, 
Then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I have set up will be a marker, will be, his ho- will be God's house. And I will give to you a tenth that all you give me. This experience that Jacob has takes him from separated from God to entrusting his life to God. He went from trusting in Jacob to doing things Jacob's way to being a deceiver and a liar to turning his life over to the hands of God. And sometimes it's when we feel the farthest from God is when God is calling out to us the loudest. That when we feel so separated from God and the things of God, that God is simply saying, you just have to turn your head and look at me. You see, most of the time when people say, I don't hear God in my life, it's because they're expecting this loud, thunderous roar from heaven, but God is whispering to your heart, I have the answers. I can get you out of this place. I can set you free from your separation. You see, when in the greatest despair is when God desires to save us and invites us into his presence. When we go from Luz to Bethel, from separation to in the presence of God, And the course of our life changes. And and Jacob says, If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey, Jacob is on a journey. But it's interesting to think he's on a journey that he never intended to go on. He's running for his life. He found God, but his brother still wants to kill him. He found God, but his father is still on his deathbed. He found God, but he's still running for his life. He's still on this journey towards this place to where he's going. And Jacob realized that he has done enough damage on his own. He has done enough damage by his own power. And he realizes he needs to put his life in God's hands. That God would be with him on this journey as he goes forward. You see, the damage has been done. But now he's trusting God to do damage control. To give him wisdom and guidance and discernment in in what he should do from this point forward. You see, he had a powerful experience. But he still also had some very real problems. And that's true for many of us. We come to God and we have this powerful experience. We have this coming to Jesus moment, as they say. But the reality is that when we walk out those front doors, we still have issues to go home to. But he was moving forward in the promises of God. His problems didn't go away. He he didn't immediately, as soon as he gave his life to Christ, get a text message from Esau saying, Hey, bro, you know what? I forgive you. Let's... Come on home. I'll give you a little hug and a pat on the back. We'll play Xbox together. <laughs> he didn't get a phone call from, from, uh, from his mom saying, Hey, guess what? Your dad, Isaac, he, he's recovered. He's healthy again. He, he, he's, he's probably going to live another 20 years. No, his brother still hated him. His dad was still dying, and he was still running for his life. 
But the most important part that we see is that he was moving forward in the promises of God. He was trusting the Lord to guide him through these things. You see, the reality is that when we get saved, when we give our life to God, it isn't all perfect going forward, and it wasn't for Jacob. It wasn't all perfect going forward from this point for him. But the biggest difference was that he was now no longer trying to do it on his own. He was now no longer trying to make things happen by his own power. And we read the story of Jacob as it continues. He goes on to this city that he was going to and he, and he seeks to find a wife. Uh, but what happens is, is he ends up being deceived and lied to uh, by his very own uncle. And he ends up having to work twice as long to, to earn the bride that he wanted, which was 14 years. Think about that, 14 years. If I had to wait 14 years to marry my wife, we wouldn't be married yet. <laughs> Seriously. That's a long time. So he goes on to seek a wife, but he gets deceived and lied to. Sound familiar, right? That, that, that the same way that he acted got happened to him. The Bible says, do not be deceived. You will, sow what, you will reap what you sow. But then we also see that he finds great prosperity and success while laboring under his uncle Laban. So there, there was trials, but there was blessing that God gave him favor with, with the labor that he was doing and with the people he was working with. And even though his uncle Laban continues to try to deceive him, Jacob finds favor with Laban and he's granted the uh, permission to leave, not only leave, but leave with all of his possessions. Think about this. He came to this place with nothing, and he left a wealthy man. And Jacob sets out to return home, all the while scared for his life. He's thinking, man, Esau is just as mad as the day I left. I think he's going to kill me as soon as I see him. But I know that I have to go home. I know that I have to return to my land. And you read the text and, and, and Jacob comes out with this elaborate plan to try to win over his brother with gifts, to try to show him he's got all these vulnerable children, to try to soften his heart and all of these things. But he sets out to return home fearing for his brother and what might happen to his life. But as we continue to read the story, we see that God gives favor to Jacob with Esau. He, rest he restores the relationship and softens Esau's heart. You read this story and you see that Jacob sees his brother off in the distance and he goes, I'm dead. Many commentators uh, will read that and they'll say it's likely that Esau caught wind that his brother was on his way home and he grabbed his men. He goes, yep, it's time. He's dead today. Some commentators say that God had already softened Esau's heart and he was bringing a band of men to protect his brother and his family as he brought them home safely. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that by the time Jacob and Esau come face to face, God had softened Esau's heart. And the text shows that, that Esau embraces his brother and kisses him and, and welcomes him home. Think about that. He literally stole everything, his future destiny from his brother and says, I'm going to kill him for it. And many people would be like, yeah, man, I don't blame you. <laughs> that was messed up. 
and beyond that. On his journey home, you read a text about how God puts a terror upon a city that wanted to come out and attack Jacob and his people, but instead God protected him from his enemies. And it is through these experiences, through this life journey that Jacob went on. We read it in in about 10 minutes. It was probably far more than 10 minutes of Jacob's life. Think about that, just 14 years just trying to get married. And he's got wife and kids. He's got all this land that he got. It's been a minute. He's been serving God for some time now. And it's through these experiences where Jacob learned the true value of all of this. And the text doesn't indicate much to us until we get to this point when he returns to this place called Bethel in Genesis 35 verses 6 through 7, which says, And Jacob came to Luz, that is now Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. Think about this. He came to this place alone and desperate the first time. And now he's returning with a family, with a people, with a city with him. He and all the people were with him. And there he built an altar. He already built an altar once. He built a bigger, better one this time. He says, I can do more for God now. And there he built an altar and he called the place, listen to this, El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled his brother Jacob, or his brother Esau. Jacob returning to Bethel. The place God revealed himself to him. He recalls his experiences that day and going forward and he makes an altar to God. And we see in our text that he calls the place El Bethel. A little bit different than the last time he was here. The city gets a new name once again. And the definition of El Bethel is this, the God of the house of God. And this is a remarkable statement for Jacob because he originally called the place the house of God and now he builds an altar to the God of the house of God. What does this mean? See, previously Jacob was there and he said God is in this place and he was right. He had an encounter with God in that place. But as he returns to Bethel, he realized something that God was with me all along. When he left that place, God didn't stay there. When he left Bethel, God didn't stay there. Jacob had an experience that he would never forget. But since leaving that place, he gained something so much more valuable. So much worth so much more than just an experience. He gained a relationship with the God of the house of God. He didn't just stay at the house of God. God wasn't like, okay, I'll see you when you come back. We'll do this dream thing again. It was real. See ya. You know, and sometimes we make our relationship with God like that. We just seek the experiences of God rather than the God of the experiences. Does that make sense to you? We seek the experiences that God gives us rather than seeking the God that gives us experiences. Because you know what? We won't always have good experiences, but we will always have a good God. 
We seek the experience of worship rather than the God we worship. We seek the wisdom that the Bible gives us rather than the God of the Bible. We seek the miracles, the signs, and the wonders rather than the God of the miracles, signs, and wonders. And Jacob found God through his experiences. Many of us did. We had an experience. We had an encounter with God. But it's through life's experiences that we realize that God can be found in every area of life. Not just the experiences. Our relationship should move beyond experiences with God and move to a place where we realize that God is with us everywhere we go and should be sought in everything. Because not everything we experience will be good. We saw that in Jacob's life. He had some blessings and he had some not so good times. Think about the fear that he felt as he's returning home. God had done a lot already. He'd been blessed. He's leaving that place a rich man. But now he's returning home and he's like, man, my death is waiting for me. And not only that, I have a wife. I have kids. I have servants. I have livestock. My brother's going to kill me. He's going to kill them. and He's going to take all my stuff. I'm returning to my death. <laughs> That's a little scary. Think about the stress that he must have felt. But he trusted God through the blessings that he experienced and through the lows of the lows. And he realized something. That God is God in the highs just as much as he is God in the lows. So rather than seeking the experiences of God, we must seek after God himself. No matter what we are experiencing, both good and bad, God is greater than our experiences. And coming to know Him more and more, regardless, is when we go from living in loves to serving El Bethel, the God of the house of God, to living in His presence. Think about that. We come to the house of God. We could call this place, that's why there's a church called Bethel. It's a pretty catchy name, right? It means the house of God. Easy, right? And we come to the house of God on Sunday, twice on Sunday and even on Wednesday. But we know, we realize that when we walk out these doors, that's not enough. That we come to the house of God, but when we leave, the God of the house of God goes with us. We come to the house of God to experience God, but we go into the world and experience the world. And the God of the house of God helps us. When we go from desperation and separation to a personal walk with God, no matter where we are, is when we go from Luz to El Bethel. When we go from desperate to living life the way God intended, to walking our life with purpose. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.